Joey, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I am Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we are back for another two-part episode, one episode followed by another episode. I'm not quite sure how you quantify them anymore, Phil. Uh, just two episodes of pure goodness. There pure you go. <laughs> I can always... <laughs> oh, Mikey breaking up. Can't hear you. Technical difficulties, everybody. There we go. Uh, yeah, two episodes of pure goodness. That's what we are here to give you technical difficulties. All right. So how's everybody doing? Well, Mike, uh, sorts out. Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, Hope you're all well. If you watched the England match last night, uh, if you supported Italy, congrats to you. Uh, well done to the England chaps uh, for playing a, a good game, but it didn't go that way. I can keep hearing echoes of Mike, and hopefully he'll be with us. Blame And uh, uh, we lost. We lost our connection. Right. We try again. Look, now it's my office. Think he's back. This Am I back? Right. I can hear you about. Yes, you're back. Sorry everybody. That was most strange. It's a good time. The first time we've really had the, any kind of actual issue uh, in our um, in our recording. So, okay, I'm gonna fill you guys for you video watchers in on a weird situation. My dog just came in from being what? What's no, go on. Go no, it's okay. My dog just came in from being outside in the rain, and she came up to my office to lay down, and she's kind of soaking wet. And it makes me nervous that she's going to do that thing where they go like this, you know, and they shake water everywhere because I am in an <laughs> office filled with, like, comic books and artwork and books and all kinds of things. So if you guys see me, like, madly dive off camera, it's because I'm attempting to cover up <laughs> my dog and get everything in here wet. So that's kind of okay. new. But, yeah, dog, office full of paper products makes me a little bit nervous. <laughs> so get a towel on if you can. I know, but they're all downstairs, <laughs> and we're live. So I feel like, yes. you know. I would make for bad television, you know? Yeah. And even worse, podcasting. <laughs> yeah, for those listening on the podcast, it's all going off tonight. <laughs> right. I'm not editing this either. People on the podcast are just going to be like, this is the worst episode ever. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm over the editing thing. That's why we do live video now. The podcast. All live all the time. Yeah, you know, the podcast is a nice way to, you know, that's how we started. And, and I'll keep it going because I love podcasts, but uh, I'm not I'm not spending time editing anymore. <laughs> uh, service in the fans what can I say we are all of our, our fans uh, so anyway Phil why don't you tell people what... 
yes, well, this evening's or today's episode, or whenever you listen to it, we're going to be going after the ending of Almost Famous. The uh, oh, I had the details there. The 2000 uh, comedy drama film written and directed by Cameron Crowe. And then we'll also be talking about Marvel's Black Widow movie, which hit Disney Plus and cinemas just uh, the end of last week. Both Mike and myself saw it, obviously in different cinemas, because if you're just joining us, Mike's over in America and I'm here in England. Uh, and then we'll that'll be our main feature. And if you stay tuned after that, we have the post-credits episode where we'll be doing the top five and some recommendations. And Mike, you appear to have gone still again. There you go. The All right. Still. And uh so I don't know. Uh shall I, I don't do the know what's causing this other than the fact that we're having weather? Bad weather could be okay. I'll do the yeah. Uh, I guess um, I can try moving to a new locale and seeing if we can get a better internet connection. So let's do this for the video viewers. You're going to get a nice little. Uh, you're going to get a nice little quick tour of my house. Um, and for the actually, I'm gonna, maybe I'll just turn my camera off for a second. But I'll keep talking with my microphone. I don't know if I can turn my camera off. Let's put it this way. I'm not sure how to turn my camera off. I'll do a rundown of what go. happened in uh, Almost Famous while you're transitioning to another place. But this is uh, almost famous, good. the Cameron Crowe film starring Billy Crudup, Francis McDormand, Patrick Fugit, Jason Lee, Kate Hudson. And it's all set in the 70s when we follow child prodigy William Miller, who's introduced to rock and roll music by his sister, played by Zoe Deschanel, uh, even though his mother, by the wonderful, uh, played by the wonderful uh, Francis McDormand, she disapproves of these kind of things, but he listens to the music and falls in love with rock and roll, and he ends up becoming, or wanting to become, uh, a music critic, music writer, and he, a music journalist, and he, he ends up uh, getting a deal to write for, to follow the band Stillwater uh, on behalf of Rolling Stone, because they, Rolling Stone believe he's a lot older than he actually is, but he joins the band Stillwater and goes on tour with them, and be, is befriended by Penny Lane, one of the, uh, the band-aids of Stillwater, and they uh, they go traveling. We follow them the whole time. He gets to see the ins and outs of the band, the highs and lows. He's uh, there's uh, Russell Hammond. He's the charismatic uh, guitarist of the band, played by Billy Crudup. And there's this whole thing going on. He becomes a golden god. I don't want to go into too many details because if you haven't seen it, it's just great to watch and see it all all develop. But we follow William as he writes this story. He gets it to Rolling Stone, but they don't want to publish it because they find out he's, he's not old enough and also because uh, Russell Hammond will not give uh, corroborate all the things in the story. But eventually, Russell is tricked to go to see uh, William Miller after falling out where they have a talk, a heart-to-heart, -heart, and Russell gives the go-ahead for the story and it, Rolling Stone eventually publishes it. And that's where we end. But it's a great way. It's a great view into rock and roll history, even though Stillwater aren't real. But it's uh, it shows what it was like. And it does make you sort of want to wish you were there when you're traveling around. Uh, it was all a little bit of a, a, a mishmash of a description because I was waiting for Mike to make sure he was okay. But as we can see, he's joined us. Uh, yeah. Where are you now? Is that the, where are you? This is my downstairs room. It looks, we call it our bar. It's sort of just an extra room off of the dining room, living room. So <clears throat> we've sort of made it into what we call a bar. Um, it's 
just like an extra room though. So uh, I'm, but usually if I'm going to have an internet problem, it'll be while I'm upstairs in my office or if I'm upstairs because the router is downstairs. So I'm guessing because of the rain and stuff, I, I don't know. The signal wasn't strong enough to get all the way up there well. So here I am, I'm back. I'm downstairs now, it should be fine. Um, so I apologize for the technical difficulties, everybody. Well, we, we made it, Mike, but the picture and sound quality is a lot better here. So yeah. fingers crossed, fingers crossed that that's, uh, that's it for now. Yeah, I hope so. So, all right, well, we're way off schedule now because we spent so much time dealing with our technical difficulties. So uh, let's get started with our after the endings. Um, well, I guess we should talk about the film, how we feel about it. Phil, how do you feel about uh, Almost Famous? Oh, I really like it. I loved it from the first time I saw it. I've seen it many times since. It's just... Well, like I was saying, then I just it just feels like a slice of history, uh, even though it's made up history. But you just the whole the set dressing, the performances, the cast, the way it's filmed, it just it just has this this vibe to it, which just it's got like a rock and roll feeling to it, where you just you just going along, you know, living for the moment and just seeing what's going on, and just it just it's just a brilliant movie. Yeah. Well, I agree with you 100%. I love Almost Famous. I think I've forgotten how much I love it. I knew, like, I always remembered, like, oh, I love Almost, it's a great movie. Um, but I just watched it again recently. They just put out a new 4K Ultra HD special edition, all that good stuff, uh, home video version of it. And um, I watched it again, and I just fell in love with it all over again. It's just, I think it's a magical movie. It really does, like you said, sort of capture this era of rock and roll. Um, it's such an amazing cast. It's so well written. Like, and there's so many people that are like in like Blink and You Miss Them roles, like people who aren't even that famous, but you sort of recognize them from like other yeah. TV yeah. shows and movies. Um, and um, I, I think it's utterly fantastic. If you haven't seen almost famous before, even if you haven't watched it in a long time. And I think a lot of people kind of watched it when it came out in 2000 and then were like, that was really good. And then sort of forgot about it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, so I, so. I highly, highly recommend checking it out again or watching it for the first time. It's a, just a beautiful film. Uh, I love it. So yeah, that almost famous get two thumbs up or whatever. Yeah. I guess I can't say that it's probably trademark, but it's uh, two, two opposing digits. Yeah. Well, high, high five. There yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's also semi-autobiographical by Cameron Crowe because that's yeah. how he started. So there's probably that's that's another reason why it seems so true to life. Uh, right. Like but uh, shall I go first time with my after the ending? No, why don't you go ahead? Let's hear what you got. Okay. Well, William Stillwater article in Rolling Stone is a is a hit, and it becomes almost legendary overnight due to its warts and all realness. It actually improves the standing of the band, and there's a huge jump in sales of their albums. It turns out bands and musicians kind of like it as well, and they start contacting William in the hope he will write about them. William keeps his head, though, and picks bands carefully. Each article he writes only increases his fame. Uh, while talking to Mark Bolin on the 16th of September, 1977, in London, after a lovely meal they had with Gloria Jones, he convinces the T-Rex lead man to take a taxi, and he gets home safely. While interviewing Leonard Skinner on the 19th of October, also 1977, William... William tells him the tale about his terrible plane trip he had with Stillwater. It panics the Leonard, Leonard Skinner band members, and they decide to cancel their flight the following day. Uh, on occasion, William would bump into Penny. They remained good friends, although William did worry about her. Uh, William managed to get an interview with uh, ACDC's Bond Scott on the 19th of February. Uh, William took ill after a dodgy meal, but uh, Scott insisted he take him to the hospital and stayed with him for the next few days. And on the 8th of December, 1980, William couldn't believe he was sat talking to John Lennon. They got him famously, and Lennon took William to a recording session. They went for a meal and talked about anything and everything. Yoko Ono joined them. Uh, later that night, when they all returned to the Dakota building for a nightcap, 
they were shocked to see police standing around outside. They'd arrested a man called Mark David Chapman. Bloody hell, said Lennon. I've seen him knocking about the building. William and John drank well into the night, and one of William's fondest memories was of John Lennon making a full English breakfast for him on the morning of the 9th of December. A few weeks later, Lennon got in touch with William to say he'd written a song about that very night. He still remembered when John Lennon and Stillwater's Russell Hammond made an album together and thanked William for the introductions in the, uh, in the liner notes. And William's career spanned decades. He made many friends, a few enemies, and had huge amounts of fun. And that's my after the ending. All right. I love it. I love it. I love that he became like the inadvertent savior of rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I was worried for a minute there when with John Lennon, I thought maybe he was going to take a bullet for him. So I'm glad you didn't go that route. I, I, did, I was, I was thinking about that, but no, I just thought rather they just end up having this interview, which went on too much longer. So he missed a faithful time outside the right. Yeah, No, I love it. That was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Thank we, have a, we have a comment uh from christine one of our regular viewers who says she'll have to watch it again you absolutely will christine highly recommend it i think you will really really enjoy it it, it holds up exceptionally well it's a terrific movie so enjoy that when you do watch it All okay right. that was my ending what about yours mike okay here we go <clears throat> people die but rock and roll never will by william miller i was 15 when i first went on tour with a rock band they were called Stillwater, and you might remember them for a string of mid-level chart hits they had in the 70s. You definitely remember their guitarist, Russell Hammond, whose double live, whose double live album, Hammond Comes Alive, went mm -hmm. on to become one of the best-selling albums of all time. Thank you. I was particularly proud of that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but rock and roll isn't about hit songs or album charts. It's about connection. I've toured with and written about more musical acts than I can count in my 72 years on this planet. Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Bruce Springsteen, U2, Wild Stallions, you name it. And you know what they cared the most about? Connecting with people, with their audience, with their loved ones, with the people who had lived life through their music. It took me a while to learn that. And the lesson came from the unlikeliest of places, a girl I knew for only a couple months back in the 1970s. She taught me more about connecting with people than anyone I've ever known. But you know what's ironic? I never reconnected with her. Sure, I've looked her up since then, and I, I see that she led a, good, a great life, good career, nice husband, fancy house with a white picket fence and 2.5 kids, the whole nine yards. But I never reached out to her. And a few days ago, I found out that she passed away peacefully in her sleep, and I cried like I haven't done in a long time, even though I hadn't seen her in over 50 years, because she changed my life. And I know she was put into my life for a reason, and that was to show me that rock and roll was never about the music, the drugs, the sex, the parties. It's about the people you share it with. And in a career where I've hung out with the greatest musical acts in history, I've shared my life with some pretty special people, let me tell you. So raise a glass, dear reader, and send a toast to that special rock and roller in your life, wherever they may be. Penny Lane, this one's for you. Cheers. Penny Lane. Oh, that was excellent. I like that. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. I took me some time with this one. I got to admit, I was, uh, I was struggling trying to figure out where to go with people and stuff like that. And then it hit me to do it in the uh, style of a William Miller article. And it just just flowed from there so very good i felt yeah, pretty good. thank you thank you i appreciate that not the most detail oriented one a little more uh you know a little more esoteric than my usual endings but i was happy with it so yeah, no i like that very good all right very good so there you go guys those are our endings for almost famous again uh it is out it's on i believe it's on one of the streaming services right now it just came out with a new uh, home video version, excellent, excellent film. Highly recommend it. Uh, go watch it, then listen to our endings again. 
and uh, you know, raise a glass, do what you want to do. Picture William as the savior of rock and roll. You know, it's all out there. It's worth checking out the uh, the extended version as well. I think that's yep. That's I think that's better. Although the the, the theatrical release was very good as well, but uh, both both of them are worth a watch. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. All right, cool. So there we go. That'll wrap up our takes on Almost Famous. Let's move on then to our uh, our big topic for the night. Well, I don't know if it's the big topic, but probably something that a lot of people are talking about, right? Uh, and that is, of course, our yeah. thoughts on the latest Marvel movie. Not just the latest Marvel movie, but the first Marvel movie in almost two years. Yes. Oh, it should have been out about two years ago, shouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, it should have been out last year, but if you think about when the last Marvel movie that came out was, it would have been around the end of 2019, I think, right? Because I don't think any Marvel movies came out in 2020. So I figure that makes it about a year and a half, close to two years, I think, since we had any Marvel movies. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So it's, we are talking about Marvel's Black Widow, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I got to see in the cinema last Friday, my first trip back to the cinema. We discussed Mike's first trip back to the cinema a couple of, well, a few weeks back. Yeah, a couple of episodes ago. Uh, but yes, I saw it. It was good being back in the cinema. I really enjoyed being back in there. It was all very they looked after us all very well. It was like lots of spaces and things. It was very comfortable and relaxing. And yeah, the film it was good seeing a film on a big screen again. For sure. Yeah, I also went to the cinema to see it. Um, and and that was it was fun, like you said, to get to the go to the theaters. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. Uh, because we are aware that not everyone has seen Black Widow yet. We don't want to scare anybody away. We're going to start off with just our sort of our general thoughts, general opinions on how we liked it and stuff like that with no spoilers yep. whatsoever. When we get to the part where we want to start to discuss specific things that might be considered spoilery, we will give you a big spoiler warning and you can turn off the video or you can turn off the audio or whatever you want to do, whatever your format you're listening in so that you don't have anything spoiled for you. And so, then if, uh, for those on the video, Mike, you could always put a spoiler in the uh, the ticker tape thing as well. That's right. I will do that. When I we will. are. Yeah, yes. Get to that bit. So if you are watching it, you can mute it. And then once right. the spoiler thing lifts. There you go. That's a good idea. I'll, I'll do that. That way you don't, because you know, you don't want to miss coming back for our second episode. So, yeah. um, or anything that we, that we say that's non-spoilery. So, um, so starting off with just our more generic or general thoughts about the film. Uh, Phil, how did you, how did you feel about it? What did you think? Uh, I enjoyed it, although it wasn't it wasn't great. It started off really strong, I felt, but mm -hmm. then as it went on more and more, it became uh, almost. It was a bit too. Oh, it wasn't. I don't think it was a fitting send off or the fitting last film for Black Widow. Mm -hmm. That's not really a spoiler because if you've seen Avengers Endgame, you'll know. This, by the way, the film is set after Captain America's Civil War. If you think right. it go, follows on. Straight after that, really, once you get past the opening credits. But, yeah, I really liked it. I thought Scarlett Johansson was really good. Well, I thought all the performances were really good. Mm -hmm. But it just it just felt, as it went on, I was just going, oh, oh. It just didn't take it to the next level like I was hoping, cause especially because it's been such a long time coming to get a Black Widow film. Right. That was my general feeling. We'll dive into it a bit more. What was your general feeling about it? Um, I think largely the same. I, I did enjoy it uh, quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. I thought it was a, a good film. I felt like it was a little light on story. You know, yeah. that was kind of my thinking was like the action sequences were great and there was a ton of them. I mean, the film is like action palooza. There really did not pull any punches as far as like getting big, you know, detailed action scenes, lots of fight scenes, lots of, you know, uh, you know, kind of bigger than, you know, big, uh, crazy action scenes, all kinds of stuff. And that was great. Um, but it did feel a little light on, on plot. And I, I get that it's like, you know, it's an action film. It doesn't have to, but I thought for a Marvel film, 
where they've set the bar so high for being able to sort of blend these really cool stories with these, um, you know, uh, uh, action scenes and stuff like that. To me, it did feel a little bit slight. Um, yeah. Appreciate that it wasn't a, oh, the fate of the world is at stake kind of story. Yeah, that was good. Um, you know, it's nice that she wasn't trying to save the whole world because then it's like, well, where are the Avengers? You know, so I, I didn't mind that the story was a little smaller in scope. I just feel like there wasn't that much to it. Like, I feel like they forced so much action in, which I don't usually complain about, um, that they, they could have given us a little bit more plot. Um, I did also feel um, that the humor wasn't as prevalent as it is in some Marvel movies. And I thought that it, I know somebody, some people, some people have complained there was too much humor, which I think is weird because I didn't think there was enough. Maybe I just didn't think it was that funny. Um, they mentioned like David Harbour's character kind of always making jokes and stuff, but like, I don't know. It still felt like the tone of the movie was a lot darker, not darker, but just more serious than a lot of the other Marvel movies. I, I don't know if that's because she didn't really have any more fun characters to play off of. There was yeah. no Stark. Yeah. There was no, you know, Thor, those types of characters to give her that sort of back and forth with. Uh, I know they tried it a little bit with the, with the, her like arms dealer guy, the sort of procurement guy who got her some stuff. Um, so not that it didn't have some fun moments. And I'll talk about one or two of those in the spoiler portion um but i just felt marvel movies are so good at that that i guess they've set the bar so high that even a movie that you know has some humor you still kind of go well it's not as funny as a normal marvel movie is you know um but yeah. i like overall i like it i mean i like it quite a bit i just yeah it, it stopped short of being great it was it was really good but not truly fantastic didn't kind of go over the hump you know yeah yeah but to be honest though you mentioned that the story was quite small and slight i mean it, it was but i wish they'd gone a little bit smaller and not had i made it even more well, realistic or as realistic because you can go in a Marvel movie, have it focus more on the spy stuff as well. And just, I would have, personally, I would have liked to have seen a film set way before, you know, before she joined the Avengers and things right. like that, go way back then. But the story we got, you still could have told it, but I would have liked to have seen a few more, a bit more spy stuff instead of going straight to the madcap crazy drive and chase scenes and things. And it just, yeah, yeah it's just a, a smaller story and, I felt if they got a bit more serious, to be honest, I would have liked that because I, I did feel like, especially uh, David Arbor's thing, I wish uh, he was funny, but it often felt like he was the butt of the joke. I would have liked to have seen a bit more of him, yeah. you know, the reason why he was chosen to be the Russian super soldier and things like that. Yeah, no, I can't argue with any of that. And I think you're right. Like, I, I also wished, I I thought we were going to see more of the Red Room stuff and the stuff with the other Black Widows, like in the trailer. Yeah. It makes it seem like they're going to be a bigger part than they really are. So I thought we were going to get more of that stuff. And so I, I see, what you, like, a, a more serious story might have worked really well if they had committed to that kind of tone, right? If they had yeah. gone a lot darker, getting more involved in the spy and the espionage stuff than they did. Um, so that might have made it better. They definitely did go more for sort of the, the big superhero route, like you said. Um, so... Yeah, I think, as well. I think, I think also because we finally got to see uh, what happened in, in Budapest and also when uh, Loki in the first Avengers movie mentions Drakkar's daughter as well. Mm -hmm. Red. We finally got to see what that was, but I would have, we only get to see like a glimpse of it. Uh, and it basically it's just Natasha sitting in the car, which is the main thing. I would have liked, and they discussed it a bit, but I would have liked to actually seen, you know, a sizable flashback involving uh, Clint Bart and Hawkeye just so we got that bit of repartee, we can see mm -hmm. why, you know, she remembers it differently, you know, because he met, uh, Hawkeye mentions that in the Avengers movie as well, um, things like that. would have been nice right. to see that. And also, because you mentioned we don't see any of the other Avengers. I'm not saying it needed to, but all the other Marvel films often being like a little cameo or something, which just sort of yeah. builds that little bridge, the little connection, which just sort of 
which is really always good to see. Not that I need it because Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson are really good anyway, and great character, great, and she does it really well. So it's, it's she's a strong enough character with enough history and stories to have, just to, to have had an epic movie. Just unfortunately, I didn't think this one was mm -hmm. it. I, I wonder if we'd had the same film, yeah. the exact same film, but about five or six years ago, whenever you know, just after. Uh, the Winter Soldier would it have hit a lot different, even if it was exactly the same? Oh, yeah, yeah, and also, uh, you know, you have to wonder about the 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 effect. Also, we'd had it sooner without the events of Avengers Endgame happening before this, because it does sort of like I feel like yeah. not less than the impact per se, but it is sort of like well, I, I, I'm never a big fan of prequels and stuff like that. Like I think I, I would have liked it maybe more if this had come out in sequence. You know, chronologically, yeah. story-wise, I think it maybe would have had a better, you know, it would have felt a little more connected or a little more fresh. I'm not sure which, you know. Um, yeah, so, yeah. It, I, it, removes, it removes the sense of peril for the, the character when you know what happens to them in a later film. Right. So you right. can go, well, you know they're not going to, you know they're not going to die anyway in most of the Marvel films and things like that. Right. But when you know the definite end, you're still going, well, yeah. That fall yeah. should definitely kill them, but uh, no, it's not going to. Right, 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 right. I I agree. I do think it removes some of the stakes from the proceedings. So, um, you know, but all right. Well, that's uh, you know. So we both liked it. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, not probably loved it, but liked it. Let's um. Let me go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, adjust the ticker real quick. I'm gonna put in a note about spoilers. We're gonna get into some spoilery stuff here. Not for very long. Just a little bit. Um, and uh, we'll talk about just some specific issues or, or things we liked or whatnot about the film. Um, and uh, we will, uh, so starting now. So if you're not interested in hearing any spoilers, if you haven't seen Black Widow yet, now is a good time to either mute your device, whatever you're watching or listening on, or come back in about five minutes or so. Uh, yeah. So here we go, spoiler territory. Um, okay, Phil. Is there anything you want to discuss that, that was more spoilery? I have one or two things. Well, but well I find it mad that we had like a two-hour film just to find out the origin of Natasha's vest when <laughs> Infinity War. It seemed a bit extreme. Yeah. Uh, no, I liked the things I did like. I liked the post-credit sequence and it's the fact that it tied it in with the Disney Plus uh, TV shows, in particular Falcon and the Winter Soldier, by seeing uh, Seinfeld woman's character. Yeah, Julia Louis-Dreyfus playing. That's a, yeah, I always forget her name. Contessa Valentina. I always like I, she's she's a good character and I like seeing that. Mm -hmm. uh, it was good seeing Taskmaster, but I wish it to be more like Taskmaster from the comics and the Spider-Man video game. You know, because he's he's a really good character, always talking and witty, and I'm basically going, I whatever you can do, I can do better. Right, <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah, but hopefully we'll come back to that at some point. Uh, what else? But what about you? Well, I have a think about something. Um, yeah, I, you know, um, I really loved the post-credit sequence. I thought it was great. I thought it really did a nice job of um, setting up uh, what I'm assuming is going to be a part something in the in the Hawkeye TV series on Disney yeah. Plus, yeah. uh, or something in a future movie. Who knows what? Um, and uh, I gr definitely agree with Taskmaster. I'm a huge Taskmaster fan from the comics. Actually, I love that character. I, I always have um, since I was like a kid, and um, I thought. Taskmaster looked great in the film, and the action yeah, scene with I didn't him, him, yeah. Yeah. awesome. Uh, well, I guess I can say this is a spoiler territory. So she looked great in the film, um, and and I thought that um, you know it it the action scenes with Taskmaster were were, were fantastic. Um, but I agree with you. I wish they had kind of capitalized more on the character, the the real character, uh, and that's a that's a Hollywood thing. But I don't feel like that was a necessary change per se. I think one of my big problems with the film, and it's it's not ultimately a huge problem, but 
you know, they set up this backstory where Natasha, um, you know, murders this guy and, and takes out his kid or tries to murder this guy and takes out his kid, uh, his little girl while doing it, fully knowing that her little girl is in the, his little girl is in the building. And I understand that they were trying to set up that, hey, she was a different person back then. She was this ruthless spy. She was in the red room and all that stuff. But she had to do that in order to defect to S.H.I.E.L.D. is the way they set it up. Yeah, and that's it, true. It, yeah. It's hard for me to sympathize with a character who will willingly murder a child, even mm -hmm. if it's your way of getting out of this bad situation. I also don't think, would S.H.I.E.L.D. really want a child murderer in their ranks? Like, okay, so in order to prove you're not a bad guy anymore, all you have to do is kill an innocent kid. And then mm -hmm. we'll take you in. Unless her contact was one of the Hydra shield agents, but it, it would have been nice if they'd shown that it could have been well, right. the you could have just seen somebody who we knew were uh, like uh, oh the bald guy with the glasses. Yeah, sit, well. sit well, yeah. Sit well, yeah. He'd been in contact with even that would have been a bit of a stretch, in my opinion. I would, I, I have a hard time when my heroes go a little too far over the edge in circumstances yeah. that I don't think are really worth it. Like that was she could have just assassinated him later. Do you know what I mean? Like she could have come back the next day and blown up his building or something without his little girl there. And that would have been fine. Like, so to me, it wasn't like an inescapable situation. Like if you're going to be a hero that I'm going to look up to and, and enjoy watching the films and you're going to kill a kid, it has to be in a situation that is um, so inescapable that you have no choice. And then you should be racked with guilt over it, which I guess she was a little bit, but that for me was a misstep. I didn't really like that. I was like, yeah. Eh, yeah. Love also, my I would have liked to have seen, uh, seen like Ray Winston's character, the bad guy. He, I would have liked to have known how he did survive. Right. And, like we see his daughter's face; she was burnt and damaged, but he didn't seem to have anything. It would would have been if he'd been scarred as well. Would have been great. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's. I mean, it's just little touches like that which are just suddenly just in your subconscious. You go, oh yeah, well, that makes sense to do that. Also, the fact it is his daughter in in the Taskmaster suit. I wish they just made her a new character or somebody else. I mean, there's no need to. Tease Taskmaster and then do do that. Although they did it with Mandarin and a few other things, don't they? These Marvels seem to like now and well, again do it. Mandarin was great because Mandarin yeah, said, it was funny character to begin yeah. with. Like, yeah, yeah. let's be honest, like some bearded Asian dude with ten rings on his fingers just isn't that scary in a in a movie setting. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I yeah. like to do with him. If you're but if you're gonna do something different like that, find a clever or interesting way to do it. You know, versus sort of just taking an interesting character and making them slightly less interesting by taking away their ability to talk. You know, that yeah. to me isn't really a big enough difference to warrant you know the, the change. So you know, um, yeah. I did like though. Speaking of the humor, I I did love the pose joke. Um, oh, that was brilliant! Yeah, the fact that Florence cool. Pugh's just uh, constantly taking the Mickey out of Natasha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. why well, you do the pose? And she's like, "What pose?" Like that—that that was great. I thought that was she gets down and does it in the middle of the uh, the garage as well, and just is yeah. just flipping her hair. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, I thought that was great, and I—that's I, the kind of stuff I wanted more of, right? Like that's the kind of humor that I would have liked more of if you're going to go in that direction rather than a, a more serious direction. Um, but love Florence Pugh. I've been a fan of hers for a few years now. She's fantastic. I thought she was great in it. Um, so uh, you know. Um, but that was definitely something I enjoyed. But those were—I'm trying to think if there's anything else specific that I really—I I, I really like the opening as well when you see the young Natasha and Ilana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and David Harbour and Rachel Vice as the parents—that was really good. I mean, I—I I would have happily watched, watched like more of them. Uh, you know, yeah. going, getting away yeah. and things like that. Right. Again, the spy stuff, right? More about yeah. that whole thing of them living kind of undercover, you know, in the U.S. and stuff. I, I do agree that there could have been a much um, richer story if they had dived into the, the spy stuff more than they did. Um, it, could, it could have had a real different feel to it. 
with the, yeah. go, focusing on the spy aspect. Cause, right. Because she come her background is a lot different from most of the other Avengers. Yeah, we've never really delved into it in the movies. Well, they have in the comics, but not in the movies. So I, I agree this could have been more of a, 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 not even a full origin story, but it would have been nice to see her doing some actual like spy work as opposed to just beating the crap out of everybody. Like it would have been nice to have kind of a nice like stealth sequence in there somewhere, you know, or things like that. And a little bit at the end with the whole, um, you know, when they snuck onto it and they were wearing the masks and stuff, which is not technology we've seen in the Marvel Universe before, but whatever, because I'm sure it exists. If they can have helicarriers, why not? Um, mm -hmm. You know. Uh, but yeah, I, I, um, I think I would like to see some more of that rather than just one more fight sequence of people beating the crap out of each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was another thing as well about the fight sequences. I don't think they were as good as, as previous Marvel films as well. And considering, cause she, Natasha is, she's human. She's like highly trained and everything, but like right. fighting is her, she's like one of the top hand to hand combatants in the Marvel Universe, it would have been, I wish they had been a little bit clearer. There was a few times when it was almost like born shaky cam and mm. the fight with the, the widows, the other widows at the end, the camera work just seemed a bit all over the place, didn't quite make it as clear as it could have been. And yeah. Especially when some of the fight scenes we've seen in previous Marvel films have been top notch. Right. I, just, I felt a little bit let down. It was still, still good and as you said, there was lots of great action in there, but it just felt some of them, we didn't have one definitive fight scene which made made me go, oh, wow, did you see that? I can't wait to watch that again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Well, let's um, – that'll wrap up, our, I think, our spoiler portion of the uh, of the conversation um, and probably start to wrap us up. I think overall then we were pretty much in agreement that, you know, again, liked the film, uh, didn't love the film but thought it was good. Like, I enjoyed it. And, and you know, maybe um, another viewing I found with some of the Marvel movies – uh, I remember with Age of Ultron, I was kind of disappointed when that came out, and then I watched it again a couple of years ago, and I thought it was just phenomenal. Like I, I think maybe sometimes when your expectations are lowered, you may also have a different opinion. So maybe I'll rewatch Black Widow in a year or two, and I'll, I'll have a different opinion. Maybe I will love it. I certainly enjoyed it, um, so I will revisit it at some point in the future, even if it wasn't an A-plus Marvel movie. I'd still give it a B or a B-plus. So, yeah, you know. That's a good point about rewatching because I've been watching all the Marvel films in chronological order. Yeah, we're getting ready to do that too. <laughs> yeah, just, they are so much better doing it this way. The ones that I sort of were going, well, I've really improved often because you've seen what's gone before and mm -hmm. what's coming after. So I wonder if I do that again at some point in the future of watching Black Widow straight after Winter Soldier will right. we'll, uh, we'll improve it. We'll have to wait and see because that's going to yeah. be a while to get to do that. So definitely still worth watching. Uh, I yeah. do think if you have the chance, go see it on the big screen. There is a lot of action in it. And it looks really good on the big screen. So if you have the chance, uh, definitely go check it out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so a, 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 a recommended viewing experience, maybe not highly recommended, but definitely recommended, I think, is how we would put it. That's, that's right. All right, cool. So what we're going to do then is we're going to wrap up this episode. If you are watching after the fact or listening to the podcast, that's going to wrap us up for this week. If you are watching live, please come back in about two minutes because we're going to wrap this up and then we'll start our very next episode right away. So we're going to be back on this channel live in just a minute or two. We'll wrap this up and then we'll do our we'll go launch into our next episode. We're going to do our top five list, which is a fun one. We're going to do our ATE recommends. We'll have a good time. So don't go anywhere if you're a live viewer. If you're uh, watching or listening after the fact, uh, then you can go wherever you'd like. <laughs> it sounded kind of rude. I didn't mean it to. <laughs> yeah. If you watch it live, go, go onto YouTube, watch a couple of commercials, and we'll be right, right. back after. Right, exactly. Uh, all right, so that's going to do it for us. So thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Uh, as always, we appreciate it. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next time. After the ending.